Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where I tell you what's happening at the movies. And my guest today is Glenn Close, one of the best actors on this planet. You heard it from me and you heard it from everybody else that sees her in anything. But you people need to get now busy on Netflix and watch Glenn in Hillbilly Elegy, where her talent is shining on its highest beam. So congratulations to you, Glenn. Thank you, Peter. Thank you very much. And I'm looking at you, and when I see you in Hillbilly Elegy, I say, who the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) What about this transformation that you make to play this character? Well, you know, it started um, when I... When I knew I was going to do Mama, it started with, I can't be distracted by my own face. I can't, you know, if, if I think the audience sees my face, I'll be very distracted by that. So I called Matthew Mungle, you know, genius makeup artist, uh, you know, special effects makeup, and, and Marcel Conneville, who's done my wigs for practically my entire career. And they had done also Janet McKeer and I and, and Albert Knobs. Ah. And, and Matthew came up from Texas, where he's kind of semi-retired. Um, when I still had a house out, you know, in Westchester and we sat in my kitchen and he experimented with, with shapes because it was, you know, it's really amazing how just a very slight alteration of the shape of your nose, for example, can take your own face away. So, um, it was that, and also mammal in life had big ears. So we added, you know, the size of my ears and my earlobes. Um, and then I... I curled my hair and made it all frizzy. And Ron came over because he just lives over the border in Connecticut. And he was kind of, he was convinced because at first, of course, you know, you, you worry about the time taken in the chair in the morning with any kind of prosthetic. Oh, yeah. uh, but this was actually, you know, just slight difference of the nose and, and ears. And it, you know, I, I was ready in an hour every day. Um, and, uh, but that was the beginning, and I we were given a portrait of Mama, a fabulous portrait of her, slightly looking up with the big glasses in her hair, and, yeah. and that was kind of what we went on. And then, um, eventually, you saw videos from the family of her in action, laughing, surrounded by kids, pulling kids in a wagon. Uh, and then I, the the thing that was most valuable for me was to have one on one with Bev, with Lindsay. Uh, with a cousin, with JD, and just saying, okay, how did she sit? What did she wear? How did she hold her cigarette? Uh, you know, what was her voice like? You know, what what was her energy like when she came into a room? What was her house like? So just very, very specific things. Not to pretend I was her, but to somehow find the essence of this woman who is just, I mean, loved feared she was feared and loved when you get a property like this i mean let's start by that how did it come to you hillbilly elegy who showed it to you first and said well to tell you the truth i read the book uh, you know not long after it came out um because i wanted to educate myself kennedy was it her she made the wonderful wonderful documentary about the hill people that i remember vividly um, but that, that was more like the shacks and the moonshine and that's kind of the cliche. And cliches are uninteresting. And I think cliche can lead to people being stigmatized. And I think this group of people have been stigmatized, you know. And um, then I heard that Ron was, uh, had gotten the 
rights and was developing the script and I wrote him a note and I said when you're thinking of Mamaw please think of me thinking never in a million years would you because it's not like you know ca casting that you would necessarily leap to um but then he isn't he, that exciting for you isn't oh, that the best thing about so it? exciting yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's new territory you know and that's the essence of what we do right I mean we have to we, we explore the human condition and and you don't want to go over territories you know spiritual emotional psychological that you've done before um and so this was a great great journey for me to to learn about mamaw to meet her family i i really believe i mean it's not i it's just a fact that all great drama is based in family and so you tell a very specific fa uh, story about family, and it has repercussions for everyone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who they are. Um, and, and that, to me, is the value of, a, of, of making it authentic and honest, because then people can say they, they almost sub subliminally will link it to their own lives. Right. I mean, I heard that you met her son. Oh, yes, yes, he came several so, times. So what does he say when he's looking at you playing her and in a way reproducing this woman who's gone now? He couldn't believe it. I mean, the thing, when the family, and they came later when we were, like a bunch of them came on, on the day that I was um, shooting the scene with little JD when he was, um, I've told him that he has to give his pee to his mother. And um, they came on set, we were, we were on a location, and some of them started crying. They somehow, whatever we found was the mammal that they, they remembered. And her son came, came in another scene and he had to leave because he got so emotional. So that was really gratifying. Um, I, I think we wanted to do justice and we wanted to in a way carry on the legacy of mammal i there are women all over the world who are mammals you know i was at a yankee game sat next to a, a grandmother and a grandfather taking care of her, their 10 year old grandson and i thinking oh my god no retirement for them i said their daughter was unable to take care of them so they were raising their grandson. And, and that happens a lot in this country. That's, uh, you know, we see it every time we turn around to do that. And yeah. I, I say from the specific comes the universal to do that. But I think it's going to have an effect watching this movie now because all of us, many of us, uh, even if we're lucky enough to live in some kind of bubble where we have some family members with us, this isn't going to be a Thanksgiving where we can all get together in any large kind of group. It's just impossible with this pandemic. How, how are you living with the pandemic there in Montana? Well, it's interesting because I've not achieved as much creatively as I wanted. I wanted to really, really write, mm. and I haven't. And I'm not sure why not, because I think it's brought a kind of uh, sometimes I feel like I'm spinning my tires, you know, in, in, in the mud and not getting any traction. Um, and, and, but I make sure my sink is clean all the time. My kitchen is in order, you know. I make well, my that'll bed. do it. Once I make the my sink bed is every day. 
you can get going after that. So I, I think it's kind of the little things to keep my life in order that have been important, but but um, it's, things are building. I, I think I would like to think that a great, great era of creativity for, for all of us who are in the our artists will come out of this. Whether it's, you know, something's gestating, whether you're aware of it or not, but it's there, it's gonna happen. Are you able to work on anything now during this time? I see people slowly going back to work, but with a lot of conditions about having to work while in lockdown. Um, I've done, well, I did this crazy thing for Amphar where I played Roy Cohen with, <laughs> with, um, with um, Apitha uh, Murkison up in Seattle playing um, Belize. And, and that was that was fun. Shona with my niece helped me do that. And it was they used a collage. It looked like we were in the same room, but it was mind blowing. You should see that because we did scenes from from Angels in America. And it's it's remarkable because everyone was isolated, but brought together by this technology. Um, and it, it, there was something really moving about it. What I wanted to ask you before, when <clears throat> you talked about getting into a character like uh, a mama, that she's, where did these characters go, Glenn? Where do they live in you? Or do you do an exorcism after you do each one? No, no, they become, I've learned from my characters. You know, I'm, I'm a introvert. I'm so not mama. Um, but it's hard I, for people to think of you that way since you played a lot of characters who so, are the opposite of introverted. It's so ironic. Um, but her, I, I learn from them because you have to go to a place where you love them. You know, you have to find the, a common humanity with them. And, and in that journey of finding a common humanity, you learn something from these characters. And and you, I think it's made me stronger. I honest, I honestly do. Playing a character like Mama, mm -hmm. um, it's almost as if she was a relative in, in some way, and somebody that you admire and that you love. And um, it it all. I mean, that's why I think actors should only get better, because the more you explore, the more empathy you should feel, the more tolerance you should mm -hmm. feel, the more you know, understand the, the common humanity of what this, you know, what we're doing on this little speck of dust, you know? Oh, and, yeah. But uh, besides uh, Mama, what characters, what couple of characters do you think you learned the most from, from playing? As far as characters that I felt deeply moved by, um, mm -hmm. Norma Desmond, always. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I'll have one more whack at her on film. I hope so. Last time we talked, that was still in the cards. And yes. I yeah. Yes. Well, very few crawling, people. crawling closer, but I you know they'll have to, you know, they'll have to exhume me from my coffin. But um. <laughs> no, we don't want it that. I mean, it's very rare to get that opportunity as you had though to play this same character decades apart. You know. Yes. On yes. stage, and uh, having seen both of those performances, that's a very different Norma Desmond that you played most recently. That's yes. something else that we're seeing up there on stage. It's not like she's somebody that you take on the road and always play the same way. You seem to be finding things in her that weren't even there before. 
That's absolutely true. The second time I did it, it was a hundred. I had a hundred and eighty degrees different approach to the character, and and what fascinates me about the the possibility of doing our own film is what does that mean? Because film and stage are so 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 different, and yet this character is so powerful. I mean, that story is it's a, a classic for a reason. It has it's like a great fairy tale. They're they're there's subliminal resonances that we, we're not even aware of that that story, uh, you know, brings out in us. And um, so I can't wait. I, I think it will happen. I'm not sure when. I hope, you know, by summer of next year, but we'll, we'll see. Um, and I think it will be really exciting. Um, I think so, because I saw Pip get up and move around when we <laughs> met <him. laughs> That's always a good sign. My dog, Lily, likes to bust into the room like this and then jump onto the screen and knock it over. So oh. we're keeping her out of this right now so yeah. that we don't have that. It's just, it's too much. Pippi is oh. a very good movie set dog. In fact, it's so funny. He, he fast becomes the mascot of whatever movie I'm on. And I actually heard one of the ADs in, in, um, in, in Hillbilly saying, <clears throat> Pippi stepped on set. <laughs> <laughs> No, they say Glenn stepped on. Pippi stepped on. Pippi stepped on. <laughs> He's going to give himself his own part to do all that. <laughs> let me let me ask. I know it's a weird question, but um, again, whenever you do make a film or something happens like this, we always bring up, "Oh my God, she should win the Oscar for playing this." How are you dealing? You know, I you, I know that you're very gracious about it. I was the one who was most pissed off when you didn't win for the wife, but you seemed all great about it. How do you handle things like that? Well, I got nominated for my first movie, which was The World of the Garp. Mm -hmm. And and um I I honestly feel um, that to be nominated by your peers is about as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. And then I've never understood how you could honestly compare performances. You know, um, I remember the year Gwyneth Paltrow won over that incredible actress who was in Central Station. Mm -hmm. I thought, what? You know, it's like, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> So I think who wins has a lot of things to do with how things have been, you know, whether it has traction or what, you know, whatever, you know, publicity, how much money do they have to, to you know, to put mm -hmm. it out in front of everybody's side. So I, you know, I, I have to be philosophical about it. If I was upset about it, it you know, might as well be another. Um, and I, I'm very proud of, of the times that my peers have, felt that my performances was worthy of, of attention. And um, well, that's seven times. Yeah. That's three Emmys. That's three Tonys. You know? <laughs> well, <laughs> There's a lot know. of awards there, you know, to do it. They don't think about it until they say, well, Glenn was nominated seven times, but she hasn't won yet. And then they go, what? what? <laughs> and what Amy was nominated six times. And six times. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. This has got to change. I don't know. Well, I know, but it's so sad. I mean, if it happens, you know, when we're all, you know, unable to celebrate in a room together, I mean, that would be ironic, but that's what life does, right? But I, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I just hope I can, 
I can keep finding the parts because a lot of times it's the, I mean, I think it's about the role. But as an actor, you're dependent on that. You're dependent yes. on somebody creating that. And also somebody that says, look, I want you to play it, right? Yeah, you it's are. A, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's the a, actor's it's life. A, you know, it's like, you know, what Hepburn said to me, this terrible life, this terrifying life, this, let's face it, the best way to, what is it? It's right hanging in the wall there. Can you get that letter from Hepburn that I have? Mm. Okay, I'm glad I persuaded you when you were a mere child to join this terrible profession, this terrifying profession, and let's face it, this delicious way to spend your life. Oh, that's, and it is a delicious way to do it. Yes, it is. Well, I, I'm told that my time is running out, but as you did with me the last time and broke my heart, I cried when you did it, and we sang a little bit uh, from Sante Beauvoir. Um, uh -huh. Are you enough of a cockeyed optimist to be Nellie Forbish again? What? Sure, you want me to do that? I think it would be great in this, uh, we go into a holiday the season. The first piece of music I remember ever hearing when I was three and I looked up and saw the record mm. going around. So, when the sky is a bright canary yellow, I pretend, I, I forget every cl uh, cloud, cloud I've ever, ever seen. So they call me a cockeyed optimist, immature and incurably green. I have heard people rant and rave and bellow that we're done and we might as well be dead. But I'm only a cockeyed optimist and I can't get it into my head. Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. That was a great message to leave us with the holidays. Thank you, Glenn. Always great to talk to you. And, great you know, to talk to you, Peter. Thank you. Stay safe, stay strong. You too.